2: It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Dew. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life.
0: Welcome to the Life Writing
2: Podcast, where married authors and screenwriter Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reev do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life, and the tools of life to your writing. Yay! Yay.
0: Good to be back. Good to be back. Well, it's kind of a good news, bad news scenario. Let's start with the good news. We had a peak experience recently. I, I think we've talked about it on the podcast, but not nearly enough as far as I'm concerned. Our 18-year-old son, Jason, graduated from high school.
2: Yay! Yay! run the applause, to- applause again if you want to.
0: Yeah, we really need to put on the applause for that one and the bravo. That is so oh! oh, huge. I have told people if it wasn't the best feeling of my life, it is
2: close. You know, if it is the end of one entire period of our lives, we don't even know who we are on the other side of this. We're going to ask for sure. We have the opportunity to reinvent ourselves and ask questions about our energy and time and focus and and what it is. I I, I think I, I commented on Facebook that I had a, an emotional reaction that I did not expect. Mm. And that is that even though. Jason is a very young adult. He's 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 been an old kid. Now he's a very young adult. And stepping across that line knowing that he could now survive without us cuz you know that's what what a high school diploma kind of represents. You've got your basic skills on how to learn. He's big and strong enough that you know he he he'd be able to be able to protect himself against predators. He can find all kinds of work. He can find all kinds of work. So there are is a sense in one sense that my relationship to child, a child called Jason is over and what I am doing now is helping a young man become a man, become an adult. And I look at him and I realize I have never loved a man the way I love Jason. My dad wasn't there for me to develop mm-hmm. that kind of of connection with. My, my love for him, my respect for him, my caring for him, my hopes and dreams for him. You know, I, but it also there's a selfish aspect of it. I look at this young man, so strong and fast and aggressive when when need be, and I realize for the first time in my life I have a brother. Yes, someone who would stand beside me. It, it's it's an overwhelming feeling. It, I, I it, there are times when I don't know quite what to do with it. But It's, it's so w- big, it's so w- big it's a wonderful. feeling. It's wonderful. And I, I really need to look at everything that I've been doing to get to this moment in time and ask myself, are these the tools that I need to use moving forward? Because the timing is exquisite. In, in the sense of these new opportunities that are opening up in Hollywood at the same time that our responsibilities to Jason have changed? How could it be a better timing? And it's also great timing for something else yeah. that's happening. You know.
0: <laughs> well, I want to talk about the good part first. Yes, yes, because... continue,
2: continue on.
0: Y'all don't even know. I mean, we've talked about the struggles with Jason through school and, you know, pretty much starting from the beginning, (laughs) you know, because he learns differently and was, was active in the classroom and has ADHD. So we were always kind of scrambling to figure it out. And I think what I'm most proud of with Jason is that he figured out a few weeks into his senior year that returning to the school was not working for him for a variety of reasons. Some of it was COVID, some of it was social, some of it was just the routine didn't fit for his life anymore.
2: <laughs> After well, he'd spent a year and a half, you know. The thing I'm proudest about for Jason? Well, you're, you're go, no, go go ahead, please. continue. It's just that he took pride.
0: control of it. He was like, I want to be homeschooled. And even though it was terrifying, because we didn't know how to do it, we'd never done it. I have a we have a great former neighbor, Mary Lee Nambu. I got to shout her out because, oh, my gosh, what would we have done without her advice? Thank you, Mary Lee. She hooked us up. We found a program that worked for him. And Jason ended up working harder and more consistently and taking tougher classes that he ever
2: had. Yeah, that's the important thing right there, as far as I'm concerned, is he was taking standard classes, and some of them are pretty tough, with information that was, rather than being, you know, denotative, it was was inferential.
0: And, 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 you know, frankly, they weren't even good courses, some of them. I'm just going to say it. I did not, as the one who was sort of primary teacher looking at the curriculum, deciding, you know, what to emphasize and what not to emphasize, there were a lot of things I was rolling my eyes at (laughs) along the way. But we fashioned a curriculum for him. He went to daily meetings, daily meetings with us on school days, did the work. Oh, my gosh. I'm just I'm overwhelmed now, now, even thinking about it.
2: So now our our next task is to take him into the into the realm where he is building his own business, rather than just going out and getting a job. If he wants to get a job, that's fine. But if he wants to stay at home and kind of do what mom and dad do, then, you know, he's not a fiction writer yet, but Mm -hmm. he is a natural communicator. Yes, he is. And he, he has something genuine to sell i mean we this this podcast is kind of sponsored by life writing premium you know you guys understand that you always hear us talking about it we genuinely are in love with the program we genuinely think it's fantastic and we have to inform you over the course of of a conversation who it is that we are what it is and whether or not it seems right for you and where you can get it right so what jason has to do is to identify is do the same thing. He has to identify something that he can offer the world that the world is willing to exchange money for. In his in particular case, I noticed that when I talked about what I'm doing with him on Facebook, I was getting hundreds of, of replies. Would you please put this in a book? Would you please, I would love to know more about this. And homeschooling parents are like, I want to know more. What did you guys do? The primary thing. So you you handled the academics. So you're going to be able to talk about that. Jason can talk about the experience of having gone through it and also teach the basics. But my job was to look at what is the... What are the psychological and emotional tools that he needs to get through this experience? You were the meta framework guy. Yeah, I was the meta framework guy. That's exactly correct. And what I determined or the entire hypothesis that I had was that attention deficit disorder was not a precise definition of his problem because he didn't have a, a deficit of attention. I noticed him. He could put his attention in a video game all day long. It was that he was not. Externally motivated to put attention when he's not externally motivated to put attention on something, he has to be forced to do it, and he doesn't want to do that. But when he has internal motivation to do something, he will do it. So I knew that that's just part of the maturation process. Part we of the set up goals, yes, that's yes, right. Yes, so yes. it's 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 the what is to get him successfully through school because we believe that that will have that that is a metaphor for success in life in some useful ways. Go ahead. I interrupted you, sweetheart.
0: No, no, I was interrupting you before you interrupted me. No, we set up a series of goals and that really helped him visualize what his internal motivations were. And it's so much easier, you know, not have to push, push, push if he just like every night the homework was just done and it was just like sitting there waiting. It's like, oh, thank goodness, you know, because listen, we've, we've been through it. And even though it was a homeschool program, they did have a formal graduation ceremony with all the homeschool students. And we all went to Redlands, which is a community I'd never been to, relatives came and were able to see him march so we got all of that you know the bells and whistles even though it was homeschooling and this is where the story shifts is this a good time for me to talk about the shifting story i
2: I would add one more thing sure thing that i saw that gave me the greatest pleasure in all this is he saw that if he had put an hour a day into his classes he could have been getting straight a's the instant you understand that, oh, if I do this, I get this positive result, the only question is, do you really want that result? And are you willing to pay the price to do it? You can no longer say to yourself, I cannot. Right. So, he crossed that line. And so for me, that was a huge weight off my shoulders. If he knows that, he knows all he needs to succeed in life in some key ways. Anyway, but yeah, then I agree. of course the other shoe dropped.
0: Then the plot thickens. So you know, one of the uh, downsides of having loved ones come in <laughs> from out of town is some of those loved ones come in with certain uh, viruses, and it was only a few days, less than a week after the graduation ceremony, I tested positive for COVID. Oh. Oh.
2: Yeah. Oh, no. I'm no, <laughs> i can play
0: all the sad stuff oh not okay that's
2: enough it's not that sad yeah the downside of hugging your loved ones is not only saying (laughs) i love you they're saying say hello to my little
0: friends (laughs) and if you listen to this podcast even jason was like mom it's so it's i hate to say this but it's almost funny (laughs) that you would get covid because i'm the biggest hypochondriac i'm the most cautious in many ways. Not that other people aren't cautious, but you know, man, you should have seen me like uh, during the beginning of the pandemic, wiping down everything. I have never stopped masking always with the N95 masks. You know, even if I occasionally went to a movie and I know some of you were still not going to movies, big props to you that you're being that cautious. And and I'm not going to criticize anyone who's your symptoms? Well, it's so funny because as a hypochondriac, I thought I had COVID a hundred times previous to this. But people say you know, you know what I mean. So it started innocuously as a tickle in the throat, probably not that different from other tickles I've had, but it felt different. I could feel that it was going to percolate and turn into something else, and so it was a progression of symptoms from the tickle. To having a slight fever, and then it starts, and then a slight cough, and then spiking fever. So, by the time I tested positive, which was on a Tuesday, I had been feeling symptoms since Sunday, you know, where I thought, hmm, this might be something. And I had heard by then that my relative had tested positive. So, I kind of felt, oh, well no surprise this is coming. But yeah, you know, and it, it, it's a little bit of the feeling that you get after the jab or the vax, you know, that, yes. that that's probably the biggest symptom is just being tired.
2: And I've yeah, I had these, some of that. I, I got my booster mm-hmm. uh, last week. And for a couple of days after the booster, I had trouble sleeping. And that led to me having some some symptoms that were probably a combination of the loss of sleep and the booster shot. Right. But it mimicked COVID symptoms for a couple of days.
0: So I was worried you might have it too. Yeah, I know. And, and that's the worst thing is that you get it and give it to someone else. I mean, I'm actually glad I got it from a loved one. There are plenty of people who have no idea how they got it. And that was kind of my worst nightmare. It's like, uh, what did, where, did, where did my system fail? What did I do wrong? I know exactly what I did wrong. But the uh, the exhaustion piece is is interesting. And I think this is where the the lesson lies for a lot of people, because I've I've heard that if you try to work through that exhaustion, if you try to ignore these symptoms, you're going to make them worse. Like I, I hear all kinds of things anecdotally and it doesn't help that the CDC says you should be able to go back to work after five days. The original was 10 days and I'm in week two. 10 days is actually more accurate in terms of my experience of COVID. I would not want to be in an office Around people. And I'm well into week two now. Okay.
2: Yeah. I'm sure that the CDC was balancing health concerns with economic concerns. In other words, if that it is what is true is that if the economy breaks down, food chains and other things are disrupted, and you actually get more death. And more disease. So it's like, you know, how do you balance the need to isolate with the need to keep the machine going? It's not a, it's not a selfish question. So it's, people, a, it's a real question.
0: Don't let yourselves get fed into the machine, people, and don't get other people sick. If you, I am so so lucky that I work, work from at home. home. When I work there. from home. It's a godsend. I have fought to teach virtually this year at UCLA. It's a tougher and tougher fight every quarter. And now I'm like, see. <laughs> Although, again, after all my work. not. We we were homeschooling. I was teaching virtually. I still managed to get it. And if you're listening to this, you probably know a lot of people who are getting it now because for the first time, really, since the beginning of the pandemic, more and more of us are out and about Living our lives. I see your Instagram posts. I see your poses without any masks on. A lot of us are vaxxed and boosted and feeling uh, what I would consider a false sense of confidence that we can sort of go back to life as normal. Keep those masks on, keep those KN95 or N95 masks on. I th- I think the mask is really why people who were in really close contact with the person who gave me COVID didn't get it. Right, the person who infected me didn't infect a traveling companion was because they were always wearing a mask, right? Most of the time and 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 the lack of the
2: mask was all the difference. So how do you you know it's it's that question of we need to see each other, we need to touch each other, we need to you know to to say I love you, I care about you, and to celebrate each other's lives. At the same time, we need to be safe. Trying yeah. to. Trying to balance those things isn't going to be an art, not a science. You know, it's that question of how much does your heart need to to feel to be healthy. So I absolutely understand people who want to get back to their lives and their you know and their families. I'm just asking you: be safe, be careful, get vaxxed yeah you know, be get boosted and you know right now the hospitals are no longer overwhelmed so you have the best chance of survival we understand how to deal with it stay healthy and you know but be be careful as you slowly begin to return to your lives
0: yes because it is less deadly and there are fewer hospitalizations and fewer people dying i call it kind of the the quietly creeping infection of COVID now. There was a whole lot of attention around the COVID and the holidays. There was a whole lot of attention around Delta and OG COVID, as I called the original, but not so much in the media about the fact that you all listening probably know three or four people who have COVID right now, you know, maybe three or four people who never had COVID before who have COVID right now, which is, right. would be my category. People who are now on their second, perhaps infection of COVID, which by the way, not on my watch. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I have tentatively made some plans for later this year, but I will be very careful about masking and who's in my space. And I will, cause this is not, I'm telling you, they say the flu, it's not like the flu. I've never had a flu that had me on my back for two weeks. Okay. So it's like the flu in the sense that maybe it doesn't kill you or send you to the hospital. I've been very lucky. I didn't have any, you know, pre existing conditions that made it difficult to breathe. Although I remember. Linda Addison, who is a wonderful horror writer and poet, was she was a guest at a virtual salon where she talked about getting OG COVID, as I call it. And she was very severely impaired. And this was when they didn't really have many treatments. There wasn't really much of anything you could do. And she had long COVID too. So it took her six months before she felt like herself, which is also my nightmare. Because I don't know. I don't know how long I'll be under the weather. I know someone else who's only feeling like herself after three and a half weeks. So, yeah, you know, but-, but, but, but let me just finish the quick okay, yeah, thing about please. Linda. Is She talked about how she was living alone and for days at a time, all she could do was sit in a chair and think about breathing. And that has always stayed with me. I thought if I ever get COVID, she will be my COVID coach. But even though I wasn't having trouble breathing, when you have a high enough fever, I even watching television, was not of interest. The idea of trying to follow a narrative, it just seemed exhausting. I did not care. I would literally just sit in the chair, not have to think about breathing, but I have to say breathing has been my way through this. I haven't experienced a lot of anxiety, which is surprising to me as a hypochondriac and someone who's death obsessed. I have not spiraled out to, oh my God, what if I end up in a hospital on a ventilator? None of that. It was just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm dealing with this now. And I use, here's my breathing technique for staying calm and also to go to sleep. Cause when you're staying in bed all day, it can be a little hard to go to sleep at night. Right? So I do a breathing exercise, which is, and I can't even do guided meditation. I don't even have the energy sometimes for that. So it's breathe in for a count of four, hold it for four, and then breathe out slowly
2: for a count of eight And allow me to say that your breathing should be diaphragmatic. In other words, you inhale, your belly should expand. Don't breathe up in your chest and shoulders. That's one of the things that happens under stress or when you're sick. That's very shallow breathing. So breathe. If you can put your hand over your tummy, when Mm -hmm. you inhale, you should feel your belly expand.
0: Yeah, this is a good exercise just for general stress relief. I've probably talked about it before, but I have found that during COVID, aside from Tylenol, you know, my sister's like, why do you want to be in pain? (laughs) Because I'm always like, well, I want to know my true temperature. (laughs) Actually, no, I don't. This morning I took it as soon as I woke up. I don't care what my true temperature is. I just don't want to be in pain. Cough medicine Tylenol. I have, I have uh, what do you call this, honey? The thing that <laughs> COVID brain is real, by the way, you do get that fog. What's the thing that blows the humidifier? Yeah. A I have humidifier. A, okay. a humidifier to keep my, you know, cause congestion is an issue. But other than that, it's really the fight against boredom and the fight not to get up and overdo it. The second I start to feel a little better because really briefly Sunday, was my best day this past Sunday, a week ago of this podcast, temperature was low. I even went outside and took a little walk for the first time. And I played virtual mini golf as usual with Steve and our friend, Brian Fuller and Nikki, my stepdaughter. And the next day, and it was virtual golf. I was sitting half the time, but the next day I was trashed. And I have never felt as good as I felt Sunday since. And we're taping this on a Thursday. So you really have to pace yourself. Don't feel like, oh, my temperature is normal. I can go back out in the world. Your body will kick your butt.
3: As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify.
1: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz, and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Let me ask you a question, and this is kind of spontaneous, so I I don't know what your answer is going to be, but... Do you think you could do five sun salutations? Yes. Oh, really?
0: I I do. I've done two sun salutations. I did two yesterday morning,
2: and I could probably do five today. Interesting. Interesting. You could do it. You think you could do it? And still feel like you were breathing smoothly and you were were comfortable with it?
0: I'm not 100% sure about the breathing smoothly part, but it's possible if I paced myself. And for those of you who don't know, Steve, would you explain what sun salutations are? Sun
2: salutation is a yogic exercise. It's also called Surya Namaskara. Uh, It's a series of movements, and it is arguable that it is the most sophisticated series of movements in the world that is available to the general public. If you if you look up sun salutation on YouTube, you'll find it. And yeah, you'll find last, some. last month, I did a thing where I invited people to do one in the morning and one at night for 30 days. Just I didn't know what the results would be. I was kind of wondering about that. And it turns out that because it's possible to modify it greatly, you know that you could be in a wheelchair and still be able to do a version of one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're in bed, you could visualize yourself doing it. You know, if I was on a respirator, I couldn't get up, but I could you know tense my muscles as if I was doing it mm-hmm. or just visualize it. So it, what I was thinking was. It's possible that if you did, you know, three sun salutations tomorrow and you still felt okay the rest of the day, and then four and then five and you still felt okay the rest of the day, that might be an indication, you know, the question is, when is it safe for you to go back to your life? That it might be possible to use something like you were trying to use, can I go for a walk? Mm-hmm. You know, without feeling completely trashed. I, I, I was just kind of wondering what whether or not that might be a thing of you. If I could do X number of these, I would be ready to go back to my life. I don't wow. know whether or not it's, that's reasonable at all. I really don't.
0: For someone, I will try it, sweetie. And for someone like me, I, I don't exercise quite as obsessively, and I use the word
2: with with tenderness as you yes. do. <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> but I am I.
2: I I've been pretty good. You don't need uh, to, um, my sweet. You are a spring chicken.
0: Well, I have a a pretty rigorous workout routine, kettlebelling a couple times a week. I use my Oculus for a workout called Supernatural with fake boxing. And then I I would, uh, every weekend, I would do real boxing up against uh, what's called the body action system, which replicates a human body. And I was getting pretty good, wasn't I? So I'm thinking, I'm now two weeks out of my exercise routine. It's so frustrating. And, and so, yes, I am going to use that as a bridge.
2: Yeah, Just, you come up with a number in your head when you can do this number, you're ready to get back to your life before then. No, you know, just really, really let yourself feel what's happening in your body and your breathing. And I think it will tell you, if you ask it, give me an indication of where I am. You know, I won't ask you to do more than you can. Of I course. I your body will, will, will actually be willing to communicate with you.
0: Yeah, because, you know, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, we are about writing and the life of the writer. So this portion has been about the life of the writer and and a level of fitness and conditioning. And frankly, I I love that I haven't had any stiffness while I'm sleeping on this airbed. So I have some questions about my regular mattress now.
2: (laughs) uh, You are sleeping in your office, not in our bedroom. Sleeping
0: in my office. Yeah, the isolation is what's kept uh, me from infecting either Steve or Jason. But for me, you know, as a writer, it's such a big part of my life. Life and such a barometer for how I'm feeling that I, I want to actually go back and correct what I said. The most frustrating part is not uh, boredom; it's not feeling like doing much. It's not like not feeling like writing. When I first got that tickle in my throat, I wrote like that morning in a white heat. Like I got, I'm working on a short story for a collection I have coming out next year, and I wrote paragraphs and paragraphs of the short story. But since that time it has been a struggle and i would say that part of it is that we have some deadlines that i don't want to get too far behind on but part of it is just that writing feeds my spirit if i if i'm not being a writer there are ways in which i
2: don't really know who i am right i think that that is true for most high performers The way I put it is I don't – people ask me, you know, Steve, how do you have so much discipline? And I'll say, I don't have discipline. I have a hunger. Right. I defined myself as being a particular kind of person, a particular kind of husband, a particular kind of father, a particular kind of writer, a particular kind of martial artist. If I don't do those things, express those things – I'm not that person. I start becoming someone else. And one of the things that I have noticed about getting older is that when you hurt yourself or get sick in any way, the voice in your head that says, you'll never be back to what you were, starts getting really snide and loud. It's trying to mock you. It's trying to get you off your routine. It's trying to say, what is the point of all this? It all ends up in the grave anyway. That voice in your head gains momentum. So this is one of the reasons why... I like the sort of atomic goal-setting thing. So what is the minimum amount, the absolute dead minimum amount you can do every day that is still taking a step along the path? I defined one sin salutation that way, and I would suggest that you, the, the listener, find something that you can do. It's it's walking, it's dancing through a song, something. If I can do this, I'm I'm me. And right. Make sure it's scalable so that when you're not feeling really well... You know, I remember a lady who was dying of just systemic failure, really, and we went to a birthday celebration for her, and there was dancing going on, and she's in her wheelchair, dancing, sitting down in her wheelchair. She might have been dying on one level, but she was still there. She, she was, was still herself, and if her body had had enough potential to heal again, that spirit of I will dance through life would have gotten her up out of that chair or made her stronger the next day. Instead, she, you know, could she continued to to decline, but she was still herself. You know, my dad was still himself on his deathbed. Right. Unfortunately, my mom was not. You know, it's that how do I be me in my life? How can I live as much as I can? So The if one sent salutation is it, and in heartbeat meditation, let's say is the minimum for feeling like me, and our 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 blessing dance is the minimum for being us. Let's say we did one
0: yesterday for the first time in like ten days.
2: That's right, we did it. We did it uh, over virtually. (laughs) We did it virtually. That's right. You know, and then for writing, it's one sentence a day. If I can do just one sentence a day, no matter how busy I am or how sick I am, whatever, I'm still Steve Barnes, the writer. Right. And and, Being Steve Barnes, the writer, is something that I like to be. I get to keep that as long as I can do one sentence a day.
0: Because in a weird way, you feel less sick, like in the sense of feeling less diminished, less like you're turning into someone else. You're turning into just sort of a, a shadow of who you were. Yeah. Because, you know, for people like me who are a little bit um, obsessed with mortality, I write horror after all, I can look at this and say, oh, okay, this is what it'll be like if I, when I'm disabled one day, right? Or this yeah, is exactly. what it, it would be like if I had a serious, a more serious illness one day. You sort of adjust, you scoot yourself by your arms, you keep things at arm's reach. You know, I'm trying to learn all those lessons while at the same time not freak out, <laughs> feeling right. like, oh my God, I'm at the end. So for me, you know, there's this song from this quote from the cotton, the white man, ain't left me nothing but the underworld. And that is where I dance. Where do you dance? And uh, to go back to what you were saying about dancing, where I dance is my writing. Right. That's where I dance. So I wrote two paragraphs on a pitch yesterday and I felt like my heart was pounding like I had just been out jogging. Right. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm lying down in bed writing on a laptop, and I'm exhausted from writing two paragraphs. That's interesting. (laughs) You know, because, like, I've never experienced that before. But so what I do, yes, I do absolutely try to do the sentence a day, and I'm working on several projects at several stages. So there's a short story. That one's a little harder because it needs to be a little more integrated with everything else. It's a little easier for me to peck away at a treatment or an outline right now than it is to go back to that story. But I I do keep it a lot, like, even, like, I listen to an outline with something called Voice Dream on my phone. So it'll read any Google Doc out loud to you. So if I can't actually write on something, but I want to refresh on it, I listen to it. I'm an audiobook junkie. But obviously our drafts, you know, don't have audiobooks and professional readers. So I have found that the Voice Dream AI-powered readers there, there's one in particular I really like. I think her name is Emma. She's English. I don't know for what. And she does like weird emphasis, like um, close the door. And like, <laughs> You know, and it's like, okay, she can kind of fool me sometimes into sounding human. But even with my short story, if I haven't been able to write on it, I will listen to it from beginning to end. Where was I creatively with this project? So I, I, I know the next scene I want to write. I have it in my head. It's just I haven't had the energy to to type it yet, but I, I will because I've been keeping it alive. I'm not going to walk back after two weeks and be like, oh right, I almost forgot
2: about this story. Yeah well, a couple of things I wanted to say. The first one was that you said something really smart a, a couple minutes ago where you said that you wrote a couple paragraphs and you felt exhausted. you said that's that's interesting. I'm exhausted.. Mm-hmm. Now no, you so see you it was information. Somebody mm-hmm. else would have used that information to beat the hell out of themselves. Oh, my oh. God, I'm exhausted by writing a couple paragraphs. It's over. I'm bad. I'm wrong. I'm sick. I'm... And you literally oh. go down the spiral. Instead mm-hmm. of that, you observed your feelings, you observed your sensations, it, 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 but you did not associate fully with them. No. That's that <laughs> that's one of the, the benefits of, of meditation, being able to learn how to how to step back from thinking that my sensations are me.
0: That, you know, it must be because when I compare myself to 2020 me, I can't believe how chill I have been through this, this whole process, you know, I have been, and, and I will say this, I'm very lucky. I've never even been close to hospitalized with this. My doctor practically sounded bored on the phone (laughs) when I was telling him I had COVID. Once he heard I was vaxxed and boosted, he's like, oh, you'll be be fine. Literally no recommendations.
2: What's the name of the, of your meditation app? On, on oculus what do you what do you use from
0: supernatural it, it it has workouts i mean it is it is a subscription service but because they have a lot of licensed music for their uh, workout apps, what I find, especially coach doc, that's my favorite, just so life affirming. And you're, you're looking at a beautiful backdrop. Like Steve has Wakanda is his backdrop when we do these podcasts. Well, there's like, you're at the great wall of China. You're on the moon. You're, you're in New Zealand on a, you know, on a beach or whatever. And so it's a beautiful backdrop and very smart guided meditations. But, and I do those when I'm feeling well, but I have noticed that under COVID, I haven't been as interested in listening to a meditation. It's more just sitting still, being grateful that I'm not as sick as so many others. I mean, I I, I can't help acknowledging that more than a million people in the United States have died okay. from COVID. More right. than a million people. So, and and I will say this: no matter how mild COVID is, you can feel, at least in my mind, that it wants to kill you. You can feel the trajectory. It would take if it had its struthers like, oh, oh, man, I want to shut these lungs down <laughs> so bad. <laughs> like it, it just it, it want, it's trying to sap the life out of you. So I'm so grateful that those vaccinations were already in the works, you know, for similar uh, viruses so that they were able to be um, rolled out so quickly that we had the foresight to get You know, the VAX and the boosters. I wish I'd gotten a second booster. I think the person who infected me actually recovered slightly faster because they got the second booster right Right. before they got sick. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're on the fence because you don't like feeling a little blah for a couple of days, trust me, you do not want COVID. Even so called mild COVID is the worst viral illness I've ever had. It reminds me more of when I broke my ankle, that level of debilitation. Like,
2: I'm so sorry. sorry. Yeah, you're like
0: sort of, you're thrust out of your life. (laughs) You're helpless. You can't do anything or go anywhere. It's, it's, it's really something.
2: Were you, could you hear the voice in your head saying you'll never be whole again?
0: I mean, could I, I mean, I still, I still know that I'm only in week two and that it's possible that my symptoms could last. I I
2: mean, when you broke your ankle.
0: Oh, when I broke my ankle, um, you know, I was really, I was a lot younger then. you know, that happened probably about what 12 years ago or 10 years ago. So no, it was, I mean, I, I, I still feel grief. Because I broke my uh, ankle rollerblading in a skating rink, I still feel grief that I've lost that part of my life. I've lost the confidence to do that. And it it brought me a lot of joy. And ironically, at the moment I broke my ankle, I was looking at a bunch of gray hairs, as I call them, who were skating in formation. And as a young person, I used to skate on South Beach. So I was like, I was seeing a future. I was like, oh, I could come here like once a week. I could join this group. And then boom, I was on my ass (laughs) with a broken ankle. And I really haven't been rollerblading since.
2: Yeah, that that ability to feel connected to things that made you happy when you were a kid. Yeah, you're seeing that in these old people, and I think that you it's critical in life. You know, for conscious aging, for instance, to continue to do as many of the things that made you happy as you as you can. I, I all of my sympathy is with the people who want to live their lives as happy. You know, it's like the, the meaning of life is to be joyful and to serve. Um,
0: Absolutely, and uh, without without one, without the other, is is not as meaningful life.
2: Yeah, I think that you know I I like the uh, you know the Dalai Lama saying that it, meaning of life is is to be joyful, and I think that he automatically thought that that would lead to service. But for a lot of people, you know, so I think that eventually he did add the second thing, and I think that that is useful because a lot of us define ourselves in terms of what we contribute. To the world. And I know that one of your, you know, you came from a very political family. Right. Civil rights. Directly, and you still have that, but you also serve as an artist. Right. Writing conscious art that gives hope and perspective you know, and speaks of love and strength and courage and, you know, in, in the shadow of the worm, so to speak. And, you know, the beautiful thing about writing is
0: that you can take
2: it up at any
0: time, you know, if you wrote when you were younger, maybe you wrote a bunch of short stories in college and the life and family got in the way, you can pick it up again, gain ground. Now you have more experience under your belt. I remember being frustrated as a young woman in my early twenties. Oh, I've never been through anything. And what do I have to write about? You know, but now you do, if you're older, you do have those, those experiences. And even if you have arthritis, you know, even if your hands, I've thought, okay, well, if this goes on, I might just start dictating right into a program and, and write that way. You know, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way long-term of my writing practice. And that's what we would like to, to give you, you know, not saying you have to do the things that I do. If you're feeling, if you have COVID or some kind of illness and, and you don't feel like writing, that is absolutely fine. In my case, I felt like I needed to connect with the writer part of myself just to you know, leave some of the misery, you know,
2: and I, I feel You know, I think possibly because I never had a safety net, I'm a little bit more compulsive and dogmatic Mm -hmm. about things like this. You know, that that shaped my personality. Right. So, I find myself speaking to a younger version of me who sometimes is looking for a way out. You know, is there something else I can do with my life? You know, is this going to hurt me ultimately. So I needed to kind of close the doors and cut off options. So my attitude is, no, I've got to write every day. I got to move every day. I got to tell my family that I love them every day. Those are my bottom lines. No one else has to accept those, but that's the recipe for being me in the same way that what you're talking about is the recipe for being you and thank God. Our pers- our perspectives overlap enough that we can love each other and 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 be together as we move through life. As one of my dear friends, uh, writer Steve Perry said, "We're all just walking each other." Beautifully put and so true. He's and and the combination of our
0: approaches is something we distilled. In our writing course, Life Writing Premium, which as Steve mentioned earlier is really the whole reason for this podcast. We hope it's entertaining, but really we're trying to help introduce you to who we are, what yeah. our philosophies are, and that'll give you just sort of a peek at what the Life Writing Course is, which is a 52-week, a it's a year-long weekly subscription writing course.
2: We're if the- all you can do is write one sentence a day, you can take this course. I mean, literally, if you could just write one sentence a day, you could do it. The next step above that is watch one short video every week. Right. Now, we, we would love you to do more than that. Absolutely. But if you can just commit to writing one sentence a day, we can get you all the way to being a published writer. We can, we can do that for you. I feel very... We, we have so many of our students who've gone on to become published writers. Will that allow you to be a professional writer, an award-winning writer, a best-selling writer? We can't promise you those things, but what I can promise you is that you will write stories you can be proud of and that if you keep going down that road, you will be able to find people who will exchange money for what you've done if you've put your honest time and energy into it. So, Our course is for people who really want this, who really want to take that step. And the weekly reinforcement is just helpful, as any of you know. So
0: that's one of the great things about the course is it's designed for writers at every level, whether you're someone who always kind of wanted to write, but never pursued it, or maybe you have an MFA, but you've, yeah. moved, away, but you've moved away from your writing practice. So, well, there's tons of stuff we teach in our course that they do not teach in MFA programs, like Absolutely. Say, uh, plotting. <laughs> well, uh, it's doing... not
2: just that, but the psychological tools, the yes. emotional tools, it isn't it, you know, it, you can know all you want to about plotting and characterization and the history of this, that, and the other, but if you can't get yourself to apply seat to seat of pants to seat of chair and to type at least one sentence a day, you are blocked. And right. so we actually have techniques for helping you move through those blocks. You know, so it, we're looking at this whole question: How do you go from zero to sixty? You know, how do you go from never having published anything and maybe never having started a story? To actually doing it, and all I can say is some of that will be technical, and we give you all those things. There is there is great depth to this course, but that the most important thing is can you get yourself to write at least one sentence a day, every day? If you can do that, then you have learned the internal motivation. Remember we talked about Jason, that he could be externally motivated to do things, but the next stage of his life, he has to learn how to find the internal motivation to do it. And he's got to do that or he's going to have a boss standing over him his whole life, you know, cracking the whip saying, do it. If right. you, you have to learn how to crack that whip on yourself. And Tanari, you do this primarily through love. Mm-hmm. You love writing and I you do. love being that person. I do it with a combination of love and fear. I love writing. There is still a part of me that is afraid that if I don't do this, bad things will happen. Everything falls apart. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's not the healthiest thing. I'm just being honest about the fact that is actually part of my psychology. Go ahead. No matter what
0: you're, you're going through, I mean, maybe you're recovering from COVID out there or another illness or you're between jobs or there's something disruptive happening in your life. This actually, rather than being a bad time to start a course, might be the best time to start a course because yes, having a little bit of extra breathing room, a little bit of extra time is is something that will be very helpful for you. And we all need reinforcement and self-imposed deadlines, if nothing else, strategies. And because it's a subscription course, even though if you've taken other writing courses, you know, they can be very expensive. This one is only, it's $27 a month and you can cancel it at any point if you feel like it's not working for you. So- Mm -hmm. Ah, you might want to check it out at www.liferightingpremium.com. We have a video on that page that'll tell you a little bit more about it too.
2: That's right. www.liferightingpremium.com. .com. Now, Tananarive, I know you love people and you love teaching them, but I want you to go back to resting.
0: I am going to go back to resting. Okay. And I, I would announce a great guest, but the guest had to cancel because of COVID. And then, you know, I don't know, <laughs> we'll have another great guest, but we will have another guest. Someone's going to be a guest next week. But thank
2: you for listening. Go out and make yourself the hero or heroine of your own story. And just know that, you know, you didn't even have the dark night of the soul here. You kept your, your, your faith. So what could have been a really terrifying experience for you, you were able to maintain the distance and a sense of faith in yourself and your companions and perhaps a higher power. And that's Let me the tell you, the hero's journey. Nothing
0: is going to dampen my excitement about Jason's graduation. So There you go. There it is.
2: All right, sweetheart. You take care, baby.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. See you later. It's so awesome of you to be here. Bye-bye, though. Or seriously, bye. All
1: right.
0: Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, honey. Steve and I completely forgot to mention that we have been chosen to be author guests of honor at the Worldcon Convention in Chicago this Labor Day weekend, 2022. Hope to see you there in Chicago.
2: You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to LifeWritingPremium.com and get ready to write for your life.
1: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut.